Good morning, everyone. You're the brave ones. You're the ones who throw caution to the wind. Um, and welcome to all of you watching at home as well. Today we, uh, well, we're in the midst of Independence Day weekend. And uh, so I'd like to offer some reflections uh, analogous to that. Yesterday I was watching a, a video um, of college students being interviewed. And the question was, what was the date that America gained her independence? None of them knew. Some said 1964. Others said, uh, you know, they, they were just spitballing. They had no clue. No clue, college students. And then they interviewed two teachers, one of whom is a social studies teacher. And um, they didn't know either, but the social studies teacher at least got to the right century and decade. She said 1770-something. Great. Then they said, well, what was the war that helped gain our independence? World War One? The French Revolution. <laughs> Which wasn't a war. Uh, 1789, at least they were in the right century um, and decade. No clue. No clue. Who did we gain independence from? Well, a couple of them got that. Then they, uh, they asked the teacher who teaches social studies to children in grade school, don't you teach your children this stuff? I mean, in class. And she said, no, I don't really stick to the curriculum. I just basically teach people about, you know, Black Lives Matter and how racist America is and things like that. So what we, a huge problem we have in America is a true lack of understanding of who we are as a nation. We don't know our own history any longer, many of us, some of us do. And with not understanding the principles upon which our nation was founded, there can, become, there can begin all these misconceptions about what our nation is really about. Right, so if you have people studying in college who are then going to go off and be, you know, teachers or professionals in other ways, and their view of history only goes back to perhaps the 20th century, there's a great problem. So let's just review. Declaration of Independence, July 4th. 1776, did you all say six? All right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in the, the, the beginning of that, we should all, I, I think this is almost word for word, but we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, namely life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Now, the, after gaining our independence, we had to figure out how to construct the government. 
And so ratified in 1789 is the Constitution, how the government would be constituted. There are lots of debates, fierce debates about this, having to deal with how much authority the federal government would have versus states' rights. And as a consequence of these debates, you then have amendments to the Constitution. And the first amendments of the Constitution are called the Bill of Rights, right? They go into effect, I believe, in uh, 1791. Now, chiefly among those rights, the First Amendment, is that the government shall not establish a religion Because remember, people came from a nation, largely England, where the head of the government was the head of the religion. And so religion was coerced, it was forced on the people. So that the government would not establish a state religion, we have part of that First Amendment constructed. But also, the First Amendment protects freedom of speech, freedom of the press, And largely because they knew, the Founding Fathers knew, that if citizens could not voice their heartfelt disagreement and concerns, if that went away, tyranny follows. It always follows. As soon as people are silenced, all you have to do is look at China and dig deep into the kind of lack of freedoms they have and what's happening in Hong Kong. As soon as you cannot, people are being arrested right now in Hong Kong for criticizing the government, merely criticizing the government. As soon as the freedom of speech is infringed upon, tyranny follows. And freedom of speech is not, and this is something that people, um, I think, get confused very easily. Freedom of speech is not, I can say what I want and then I have to suffer the consequences. I have to lose my job, my livelihood, because I have a heartfelt, sincere belief that I may disagree with the gestalt of of the times. That's not freedom of speech. That's just merely the, the, the ability to say something. Freedom of speech is the ability to say something we sincerely hold without fear of punishment. Now, are there limits to that? There's obviously limits to freedom of speech insofar as a person might be directly inciting violence, of course. But to limit freedom of speech merely because somebody disagrees with movements, particular movements, social movements, particular morality that is... Uh, being sort of pushed by the age, to limit that freedom of speech and to, tell, to, to basically act in such a way that people will be punished for it, their livelihoods, their businesses, is to eliminate freedom of speech. You're not free if you're going to be punished for doing it. I mean, just, just consider, you know, in the last couple of months, how many times you've held a position and then thought, well, I I better not say that, though. I better not say that publicly. And if I do, I don't know what will happen to me. That means there's already coercion. We're not talking about 
violent speech. My, uh, a couple years ago, my, my eldest niece uh, began college. She was at NAU. And she was in a class. I'm not going to tell you the class because it's irrelevant. Well, it's relevant, but it's not relevant to my point. She's in a class. She takes a picture of the board, you know, the slide that the teacher had up. And she sent it to me. And uh, she said, look, look what they're teaching us. And I chuckled because I told her they would be teaching her that. And um, I said, well, what do you think, you know? And she said, well, I don't agree with it. I said, okay. Did you tell the teacher you don't agree with it? She said, oh, no, no. Well, somebody else tried to, to you know, make a point, and, and the teacher just shot him down, wouldn't, wouldn't even hear of it. Nobody would dare ask or question the teacher. When teachers, when professors are more interested in pushing their agenda and indoctrinating children and students, we're losing our way. Universities should be the place of free inquiry and intellectual pursuits of rationality. What's happened in our culture, a lot of things have happened, but one of the main things that happened is we've, been, we've given ourselves over to emotivism, which namely, an action is wrong if it makes another person feel bad. What you said made me feel bad. Doesn't matter if it's true, because we don't generally, as a culture, believe in that anyway, truth. And therefore, what your assertion is, is really about you harming me. Well, once we get to that point, culture has devolved to such a state that it's difficult to say anything. I mean, how, it's been many years. How, you can't even really go out in public and, and in your work or, or whatever and, and say, well, I'm Catholic. I believe that abortion is murder. I believe it's always wrong. You can't say it. Well, I'm Catholic, I, I don't believe that homosexual marriage is valid, that it, uh, it's incongruent with Christian anthropology. Now, maybe you don't use these words, maybe you just say, I just don't agree, can't say it. The church clearly teaches it, Pope Francis clearly teaches it. It's clear. You can't say it out there for fear of punishment. The whole point of the First Amendment is not that we can hold our opinions privately. It's that we can express them publicly without fear of recrimination. Now, we might have somebody disagree with us even vehemently, but that exchange is what's so important. And what we find is people go into their corners and they only surround themselves with the information and the people who agree with them. They don't encounter any longer. They don't risk that. You know, you look at uh, what's happening with tearing down statues of the founding fathers. And people will say, well, you know, these founding fathers did bad things. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they're human beings. They did bad things. 
Some of them had slaves. That was wrong. But without the founding fathers, without the Declaration of Independence, without the Constitution that could implement those ideas and without the the Bill of Rights and the amendments, without the founding fathers, you would not have freedom that eventually came from slavery. You had to have those concepts and what we find in that first century is is a country very much in transition. And so when they put down these ideals, they then had to look at themselves. And then the country had to say, wait a second, if we really mean that all men are created equal, what about all men and women, of course, men being inclusive there? What about that? And so the country had to deal with it. But if you didn't have those concepts laid down in the first place, the country would have never dealt with it. And what's amazing, if you look at the domino effect of the United States, the Declaration of Independence, the establishment of of being a sovereign nation, how many countries within a century became free? America was seen as a great light, a great hope that stood for freedom and equality, right? The the Statue of Liberty itself, a gift from France, saying thank you, thank you for standing upon these principles and, and offering these principles that were not widely held. But it truly was not just an American revolution, it became a worldwide revolution. America is great because of these founding principles. But these founding principles are always in need of of renewal. Our freedoms are always in danger of being taken away. That's simply true. And one of the things that you find is there's always this potential for a new totalitarianism which seeks to limit freedom. And currently that's being done in the name of freedom and equality. We need freedom and equality, so shut up. We need freedom and equality, doesn't, if you disagree, too bad. We need freedom and equality. This is the only truth that can be held by everyone. You cannot disagree. That's not freedom. It's just another version of totalitarianism. We need all Americans to be engaged together, pursuing rational inquiry and saying, what is the good? What is the truth? What is the best way out of the problems we face? And we have to be brave and willing to risk disagreements and people who who don't hold the same views. The Roman Empire in the West fell in the 500s. And Europe was overrun with barbarians. And the barbarians came through Europe, came through, of course, Italy, sacked, Rome was sacked numerous times. Italy fell, or Europe fell into chaos. We call this the Low Middle Ages. Some people called the Dark Ages because of that fact, because 
of the collapse of Europe. But one institution remained, and that was the Catholic Church. And there were these monasteries, often on these mountains. Barbarians couldn't get to them very easily. And these monks kept copying all of these books, parchments, Plato, some of Aristotle, of course the scriptures. And they kept preserving culture. And toward the end of the the Middle Ages, the High Middle Ages, around a thousand and then later, the church began to build what are now called universities. We created universities. And when Europe began to recover, all of this knowledge was still there. The church preserved it. When I was in uh, seminary, I, I took a lot of philosophy classes. I love philosophy, way more than theology. Don't tell God. <laughs> and my philosophy teachers always said, you know, the Catholic Church preserves the teaching of these philosophers because secular philosophy that's taught in universities, often they only want to teach what's current, the latest trends, except for your survey course. And so, uh, you know, within the seminary, we would study all kinds of problematic for the church philosophers, modern philosophy, etc. The church preserved that knowledge because it understands We go back thousands of years and understands that we need to know where we come from and the history of ideas. So I've been thinking about this all night. And as we move forward as a parish, we need to create a culture that preserves freedom of expression freedom of thought, education of ideas. And I'm still putting together how we're going to do that, but we have a lot of classrooms, and I'm way (laughs) overeducated. So I can offer a lot of stuff, and so can a lot of other people. But I think what's going to have to happen is that we're going to have to build a culture here that remembers who we are as a people. Where where people can come if they're a a Donald Trump supporter or a, a Joe Biden supporter, and it's okay to talk about that without coming to blows. It's okay to exchange. In the office, we talk about some of this stuff all the time. And it's okay. We're still friendly, I think. It's healthy. We need to be a a church that's truly tolerant, not tolerant in in the sense of, of really a totalitarian tolerance, but a tolerance that really welcomes people to be honestly themselves, free enough to pursue the truth, free enough to be Catholic and say, well, I believe this is true, and this is why. So we're going to be studying all kinds of things, not just the scriptures. We're going to be studying many, many different things. 
and parents are going to have to force your teenagers to read the books that I'm going to assign. I remember uh, my nephew told me uh, two years ago, he said, oh yeah, I said, what are you reading in class? He said, oh, we, I just read 1984. I'm like, that's a great book. That's so important. It's so important for our times. I'm like, what'd you get out of it? I don't know, it was boring. How is it boring? Well, sometimes it's boring because of perhaps how it's taught. Sometimes it's boring because of, you know, uh, you know, a guy maybe just doesn't understand the implications of it yet. But we, we need to look at these things. We need to remember who we are as Catholics and not be afraid of being Catholic and holding to the truths of Catholicism. They're not arbitrary. They're well-founded ideas. And so too our nation. It is not arbitrary. It's based on well-founded ideas that we don't always live up to. But if we don't know the ideas, we can't live up to them. We should be proud to be American. And we should be proud to be Catholic. These are two of the greatest things we have in our lives. Please stand.